Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Hello, hello. And Secretary of State, Will Rotondi. Oh, that's very kind of you. I appreciate the uh, the position, at least for the next 10 minutes. So thanks. What's going on? Congrats on the promotion. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely nepotism, but I also <laughs> thank you as well. <laughs> I feel pressure to comment on your uh, your background choice now. So this is my um, obligatory comment on that. On today's episode, we will be talking about Adam McKay's satirical biopic Vice. And of course, drawing a side quest. But first, it's been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, unfortunately, Lance Reddick. Uh, renowned actor both in tv film and video games passed away since we last recorded and uh, we wanted to take a moment to acknowledge his passing and uh, celebrate some of his work uh, very easy choice for me to make i love destiny it's a video game that i've played for almost 10 years so going on nine years now i've played destiny with the same group of friends um, for i would say majority of the time i log in at least once a week to hang out and socialize and lance reddick has always been a presence in that video game since the very first like campaign in the original game all the way to having a pretty big role in some of the like most recent story developments i think he's the last remaining like big voice actor that started so like nathan fillion was there he's gone um, there's a couple of others that have come and gone, but uh, he is a fan of the game or was a fan of the game and played it regularly himself and was always sort of a champion of uh, of the game. And it was just always a delight to hear his voice. Uh, I spent some time in the tower, um, which is like the social space um, with a lot of players um, the day of his passing. And there was all kinds of like little vigils and stuff going on around his character. It was a very sweet um sort of thing to see from from a video game community so that's a, a role uh shout out to his character uh cedric daniels from the wire that was a close second for a favorite but uh will do you have a favorite lance reddick uh role or maybe even anything that you uh are um familiar with like just through pop culture osmosis uh yeah so I would have to say of the two things that come to mind when I think of Lance, it is Horizon Zero Dawn and oh, yeah. Forbidden West. Um, and then, at least for my video game uh, contribution there, I love him in those two games. Um, and also John Wick, which very popular over the last few years. Um, and surprisingly enough, so most recently, my wife and I were looking, we're checking out like interviews with him because we were talking about the new John Wick movie and she was curious what else he had been in. And so then we found out about the wire and it's one of those shows that I'd heard people like maybe, I don't know, about 10 years ago had told me like, you need to watch this, this show. And so we had just watched the first episode of it. And the day after I heard about him passing and I was like, Holy shit, like no way, man. So it was, I mean, it would have been, sad regardless but it was just the timing seemed very strange on that but yeah definitely for those two yeah i'm in the middle of my rewatch of the wire and it's, it's really put a damper on some of it because 
every time I see his character, who is an amazing character on the show, like it just makes me a little bit sad because he's right there and he's just so vibrant and alive. And it's always, I think, hard sometimes like reconciling um, with people. I feel the same way about anytime I see Anton Yelchin. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Same kind of thing. How about you, May? Um, I know you're a John Wick fan, right? Again, may or may not be on one of our lists for for one of our categories, but um, what do you think of Mr. Reddick? Yeah, I'm sad to say I haven't seen him in much. I I think John Wick might be the only thing I've seen him in, which I'm excited to see the new one that's coming out or has come out. Um, I feel like whenever there's an in memoriam, like very selfishly, it gives me an opportunity to go back and like watch or play media that i've missed culturally so i have a new list now um but yeah unfortunate that uh you kind of had to wait as like an actor or creator for a resurgence in popularity for when you actually pass i think one of the things that like uh i'm glad like some people noted it because i mean he's great in like his dramatic roles but he's also very funny too um, I saw the clip of like the Eric Andre show going around where like if somebody was like this, he's maybe one of the few people to rattle Eric Andre. Like he completely turns the tables on him, like stands up, punches the desk. <laughs> I totally should have mentioned that. My boyfriend is obsessed with that clip. <laughs> it's so great. And then when he comes out, so, yes, and does the, the other uh, one. <laughs> I want to be LeVar Burton thing. And he's got the Jordy LaForge. He's like, he's, it's a mixture of Jordy LaForge and Kunta Kinte from Roots. It's really great. Like, um, and then <laughs> Toys R Me is probably one of my favorite. If you've not seen Toys R Me, it's like three minutes, four minutes, maybe of like just insanity about like this guy who takes his uh, management position very seriously at like a Toys R Us style like store. And he's just a terrible boss. And it's very, very funny. But um, I'm glad he had some comedy chops as well. I always just like anytime he posted something or as a video like on Twitter, I would always stop and watch it just to hear him talk and like see his like facial expressions. Like just uh yeah, what a what a great guy. So rest in peace, Lance. We will miss you. Godspeed. And hopefully uh get to enjoy some of those uh works. You'll have to report back and let us know if you watch uh some of the shows or movies he was in. Um, if you, if you come down on a, a different favorite. Oh, absolutely. We're going to binge all of Lost, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop after, what, four, four or five seasons? I think it's well, the penultimate. Stop there. That's good. It's the best season. <laughs> And then it's the the worst falls it. You're good. Or you could just watch The Wire. And you could actually apply the same advice, really. Like, um, I've yet to finish <laughs> The Wire because I, I get to the, the final season, get two episodes in, and I'm like, what is this? And then I stop. So maybe for Lance, I'll finish it um, on this rewatch. <laughs> but I digress. Um, let's draw a side quest. And okay. we're going to throw that back in. And it is a Neuralizer. So I feel like Will and I have done this, but maybe May has not. Uh, how do you feel about right, going on seat. a neuralizer? Yeah. So uh, remind our audience, this yeah. is going to be a category where if you could erase a f- uh, film from your brain completely, like what film would that be and why? My pick is the original Clue movie. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Because even though it does have three different endings, I think 
the most enjoyable part of it when I was a kid because I couldn't I couldn't appreciate how just over the top and hilarious it was in fact it was like kind of cringy I think to me at the time but I loved not knowing what ending I was getting and it was fun going through all the different endings and I wish as an adult who can fully appreciate all the hilarity and over the top performances I would love to be able to go through them not knowing what to expect <laughs> I think that's a great like um great pick because the the journey in that movie is awesome the endings are are fun but like certainly how that whole thing like unfolds and I'm glad to see it's gotten its due like with a little bit of time and distance like it, you know I think it was always like somewhat beloved but it's kind of grown into a cult classic for a lot of different oh, yeah. reasons I mean part of that I think is like there's been a resurgence in love for Tim Curry um Mm -hmm. it's been a big thing and uh I'm forgetting her name but the actress that played I want to say Mrs. White or maybe Miss Scarlet she has one of the best like comedic monologues ever that she just does off the top of her head this is going to kill me and this was my pick I, I I'm Sarandon's coming to mind, but I feel like that's just because of the Rocky Horror Picture so Picture Show. So um, hold please. I will we'll look this up because yeah, I'm pulling it up too. I'm gonna say the magic of IMDb tells me Leslie Ann Warren played Miss Scarlet. Yes, yeah. yes. There we go. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that, I think she she and Tim Curry just shone and and stole the whole movie. But everyone does a great job, and it's funny and camp and i wish i could just have like a clue party where i hadn't actually seen clue yet are you aware awesome. that uh when it was in theaters like you only got one ending like so like oh. that, that is pretty cool so there is an incentive to go back and rewatch it and i'm sure some interesting conversations between moviegoers that are like hey I don't know, like, this is the person, like, all along, or this is, like, the whole thing. So I think that's kind of a neat novel idea. I think in subsequent, like, TV airings, and I think certainly on home video, they just, they put them all back to back, right? Isn't that how they handle it? You just get them all. Yeah. I think if you have, like, the DVD, you can, you know, pick. But, um, so I knew that they had different endings playing at different theaters, but I think that's actually why it bombed initially. Oh yeah. People did not like that. Not a fan. Yeah. No. <laughs> Especially since like there would be good endings and bad endings, and so they'd be pissed if they got like not the good ending. <laughs> has anyone ever spoken on what the canon is? Like, is there a canon ending? Um, I, I don't know. That is a great question. We should bring a clue historian on here and uh find out the answer. Yeah, Tim Curry, if you're not too busy, uh, we'd love to have you on the, the podcast. Or Michael McKean or Christopher Lloyd or, you know, like really like um, any of the the stars, uh, Leslie Ann Warren, Madeline Kahn. Like I'm just looking, I'm just naming names that are like on the couch. <laughs> are you IMDBing, Chris? <laughs> uh, I would never. <laughs> Wikipedia. That's my job. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Wow, great pick. I like that a lot. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I feel like maybe over the pandemic, though, maybe I watched that. Um, when yeah, everyone was in dire time. need of like fun, funny stuff, and I think also Knives Out was an inspiration to to like to dig it out <laughs> of the old vault. Yeah. yeah. 
Will, did you did you share your experience with Clue? Oh, let's so uh, probably from when I was a kid. I haven't seen that thing in ages, man. So that would be a fun rewatch for me because I've practically forgotten most of it, except for like the points you've mentioned and the fact that Christopher Lloyd actually has like not white hair, like it's brown or something in the film. So, you know, it's it's nice to see a younger Christopher Lloyd as opposed right? to when he was in Back to the Future and subsequently just progressively lost hair and everything after that. I'll have to do a group watch at some point. Nice. Be a good I'll, one. Sh- I'll, sh- I'll shuffle the ending so you guys don't know which one we're doing. yeah i can't recall the endings so Uh, there you go you're already neuralized (laughs) (laughs) but if you get mad because your choose your own adventure ending didn't wasn't the one that you wanted then i mean (laughs) (laughs) oh man that is pretty funny though that people would get mad about that so I feel like that would be sort of the same thing, like getting one of those books and feeling like you made the wrong choice and came to the wrong ending that you were trying to avoid. I don't know. Or choose your own adventure thing still like a thing. I feel like they are. Maybe that might also just be something from like 20 to 30 years ago. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a subculture in Twitter with that, too. Like people have like choose your own adventures uh, on Twitter where you can like go to like tweets and shit. Oh, and follow the follow the tweet. I'm biased because I've created some on Twitter and I like yeah, shut up. Seriously? In college I made a website. <laughs> that was one. Uh <laughs> how does this not come up? Well, yeah, <laughs> what? I'm so glad I said it, that. It is not on the internet anymore. I took it down. It was very lame, but um <laughs> nothing ever leaves the that internet. Mission Impossible script of both got to come to light, man. You need to dig, dig those right, out of the Disney like, vault. <laughs> dust it off. Yeah. yeah, or you guys could like combine IP, you know, do uh, we'll adapt Will script into a choose your own adventure. Choose your own like, adventure, Mission Impossible. E- Ethan there, we Hunt, yeah. there we go. It might be a bit tricky because mine was for like an ecological writing class. So it's a choose your own adventure where you're a mangrove tree. Ooh, I, challenge did, accepted. Did you Ethan have, never you go up against eco terrorists? So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's fighting against eco. There we go. <laughs> nice. Listen, it writes itself, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, excellent. thank you again for, for sharing, May. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and turn this over to Mr. Rotondi. Uh, as I said, we we're talking about Vice, so Will, guide us through it, take it away. Sounds good, man. Well, I guess just to give a quick recap, for those of you who may not have watched it, but you should have if you're listening to our podcast, shame on you. Uh, Vice is a dark comedy or dramedy, I'm just going to go with dark comedy on that, uh, that centers on the rise of Dick Cheney in American politics back when Nixon was in office. And then culminates in his time spent wielding power as the vice president under George W. Bush. Um, as Chris actually had pointed out prior to when we were, uh, started recording, uh, Vice has kind of a very interesting style all to itself. Because on the one hand, you have like this mysterious narrator who is somehow has some connection to Dick Cheney that we have to wait and find out about, uh, but who's also just sort of giving us the, I guess, the inside scoop on how Cheney has made some of these decisions to rise through the ranks of the Republican Party. 
Um, and for most of it, it seems like they're trying to play it pretty straight. But then you'll have these little segues where you'll have like Dick Cheney and his wife Lynn breaking into Shakespearean prose <laughs> while discussing their feelings about Dick becoming VP or Cheney earlier in his career throwing out like this rather colorful suggestion about what people could do on the White House lawn or occasionally the narrator himself breaking the fourth wall when you're seeing him with his family and he turns to the camera to start talking about something. Uh, so in some respects, it's it's like, I'm not really sure what the film was trying to be. And maybe that was why the first time around, since this was my choice for against my better judgment, I was like, all right, I'll give it another shot and I'll, I'll finish it all the way through. Um, surprisingly enough, I got probably three quarters of the way through this film without realizing it because I remembered most of it up until like the last 20 or so minutes. So I thought, man, I should have just like powered through it back again <laughs> the last time. But here we are. Then we get to talk about it. So, uh, but I guess with that in mind, as, as usual, uh, general first impressions are, are a good place to start there. So, Chris, I want to say you said this was your first time watching it. Is that correct? That's nice. correct. So it's, give us, uh, since we always <laughs> pick on the person who hasn't seen the film first, then we'll go with you. Uh, but give us some feedback on what you thought watching it. Yeah, I, lo I loved it. Um, I watched this uh, with my wife as I often do for our, our podcast movies and um, was enraptured for the entire time. I think the style was a big part of why I really enjoyed it. Um, it created a, some necessary distance for me in terms of like not really worrying about historical accuracies to the point of like obsession, which sometimes I do with like biopics and politically charged things just because like um, like anyone that makes a movie about politics, there's going to be some sort of like agenda or like place that you're coming from, which is fine. Um, it's just where I get a little bit like, um, I don't know, frazzled is like where they pretend like they're biased. And it's like, no, like this movie, obviously, like is coming from a very specific viewpoint, makes its agenda very clear. And I think I'll allow it allows it to lean into that style, which um, creates a little bit of that distance and I'll, uh, gives you permission to laugh at, at certain things and sort of like engage in it, engage with it in a way that uh, maybe you wouldn't otherwise if it was just a straightforward biopic. So I really like that about it. Um, I think the performances are uncanny in some some cases, um, although there's like others that um didn't 100% work for me like it's so hard for me to see Steve Carell is not Steve Carell and a lot of things and like I don't remember a lot about Rumsfeld so like maybe he did a great job but he still felt very Steve Carell to me that's okay though I mean like it, it, it funny right like and his character is meant to kind of be like that anchor point for like or like maybe the bookends I should say for the Cheney's career uh, as you see him kind of start with him and then like where that that relationship eventually goes and how the power dynamics like shift and things like that. But I digress. Um, but I really liked it, man. I mean, I, th I think it worked for me really well. Um, it's not a perfect movie, but um, it's very entertaining. And I think like the style, it gets mega points for that for sure. So and I just I appreciated the commitment from everybody for like what it was. Excellent. You mean like Christian Bale gaining like a lot of weight to play Dick Cheney? I mean, <laughs> kind of that amongst or just like the <laughs> yeah, that amongst other things, but also like the things that you you know kind of already spoke to, like the the breaking of the fourth wall, um, the the narrator, which I thought was a very clever touch, called it halfway through. 
I'm like, oh, this is, I bet you who this person is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always nice to be vindicated um, for stuff like that. And, you know, you get a little eye um, in a sense, but um, yeah, just, I think the commitment to telling that story in the way that Adam McKay like wanted to, to tell it. And I know it didn't work for, for a lot of people. Like I went kind of steer clear trivia, don't worry, but I, I did look at like critical responses and things like that. Cause I'm always a little bit curious to see how things are like this that are received. And this seemed like a movie that people were like either hot or cold on, not a lot of like in between. So Yep, definitely. All right, May. How about yourself? I feel like you said that you had seen this before. So tell us what your thoughts were on having a second go around. Yeah, so I watched this back in like 2020. I want to say I watched it during the pandemic, like first part of it. Um, I am, I guess, one of the few like medium people because I just feel kind of met about it, especially after rewatching it. Like, I think that the story it tells is refreshing because I think especially around like really politically heated topics and around wars that the U.S. has, you know, instigated or been involved in, like generally you see things that like Chris was saying, like try to seem unbiased and balanced when you know that they're not really or things that come from more of a warmongery kind of perspective. And so this was refreshing and in, in like pushing back very pointedly and openly against those kind of notions. But the way it was done, I didn't love. It felt like a YouTube video essay that could have been an hour shorter. <laughs> are you are you saying that I'm 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 more in touch with the cool kids? Like is that, is that what we're saying? <laughs> I kid, I kid. Potentially on this one. Um <laughs> I I enjoyed the format. I just think it was way too long for what it was. No, like, I d- never mind, never mind. Yeah, we're we're back to the to to Zoomer talk over here now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love you. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I don't know. Mixed feelings. I, overall, I did like it. It just like uh things that were very novel the first time I watched it. The second time I was like, just, just give me a break, please. <laughs> hmm, that I could see. Yeah, uh, even though I agree with almost all of the messaging, it's just, <laughs> I um, I don't know if you guys have seen The Big Short, um, but I watched that before this, and um, this is very much just like how Adam McKay does storytelling, and it's like, I, I like the things that he's talking about and communicating, but he really rides this line between being accessible and relatable and being condescending and almost like mm. insulting to the audience. And I feel like he kind of just like swerves over that line constantly. In case you weren't <laughs> aware, like this is a bad thing that's happening here. Like, that is what that you mean. yeah. <laughs> nice. It's fair. Um, I could definitely relate to how you both feel about that uh, as I'm choking on a cough drop. Um, But I, truthfully, I kind of, so try to think about how to phrase this. When I watched this film, I was like really congested. So I don't know, like that one moment where you're having a cold and you're kind of a little loopy and you're just like, I'm just going to roll with whatever's happening right now. And I feel like that was probably the best mindset for me to be in to finish this film. (laughs) But um, I think overall, I'm still not a fan of it. And I think it's mostly because it just feels like it doesn't know what it, I mean, from my perspective, it feels like it doesn't really know what it wanted to be. 
because I feel like it was trying to play it straight for so much. And then it just throws these little like weird curveballs. I would have liked it better if it had been more like that, like the weird little asides, like the Shakespearean prose or like the the um, just like the random spontaneous sorts of like things that people said that, you know, they wouldn't have said it was just meant as a, as a joke. Um, or, you know what, if this thing had been a musical, I would have been okay with that too. Like it just, <laughs> it felt like it was trying to dabble in being, you know, quirky to be, you know, sort of that break from all of the really depressing angle that it was going for. And it just, I don't know that to me felt it was more jarring and distracting than it was uh, effective, at least in my opinion. And so I think for me, that's mostly why I, I wish it had been different. Like the performances are great. I, I loved watching Christian Bale because I just think it was fascinating. I mean, not just his body transformation, but like his his acting approach to that. I'm like, there are moments where I'm looking at you and I, I feel like you are Dick Cheney. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that that to me is is stellar. And I, Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush was great, too um and amy adams um i i personally have never seen lynn shady but i will i will say that she just i loved her acting in it i think she was great so just that approach the casting was good um but it was just something about that style man for what chris likes about it i found it just distracting so <laughs> difference of opinion but still very uh interesting takes on it so yeah i think that um I feel like there was one other thought about it too, but I think it was mostly because of the fact that it, it wants to like, it starts out and it says the following is a true story and then continues to give you stuff that is very clearly like <laughs> made fictionalized for this. I mean, taking real bait, like a basis in reality, but then just making it, you know, their own spin on that. And I, it's like, on the one hand, I, I don't know if I should be like, behind it because it's so left-leaning or like insulted on behalf of liberals for wanting it to seem like just a like a very jarring piece of propaganda so i don't know it'd be an interesting that, companion piece with w remember that like that was like no i haven't seen that and i need to it was now. huge because yeah. it came out during his administration so that was like the mm -hmm. big sort of like groundbreaking thing about it was that it was a biopic made while the president was still in office it's oliver stone so like it bears mm -hmm. his stamp um i remember liking it a lot at the time and again being kind of blown away by how much um josh brolin was like yeah. that, that that character um but i'd be interested to see with some time and distance now like because that was one that was very did play it straight like and it was tackling the kind of stuff a little bit more like straightforward in terms of the administration. Um, but there's a moment that gets a little vicey that I'll never forget where it's like Richard Dreyfus is Dick Cheney does a great job, but like in a similar way, like it goes like a step too far. Um, mm. And it was more noticeable in that movie for me because it never got to this point where it is very like caricature esque where the camera is like slowly dollying in on uh, Richard Dreyfus is Dick Cheney giving this speech like where they're like deciding to go to war and like the only thing that could have made it more over the top was like if he had like thrown his head back and like laughed maniacally like <laughs> into the sky like it just like but it was like right there and I was just like oh, oh, oh righty like I don't know that anybody would talk like this like you know um, yeah. but I, I know what you're getting across but let's, let's let's bring it back down so anyway um 
be curious to do like a, a back-to-back. Maybe I'll we'll check that out sometime this week and see how it's held up. Um, I mm-hmm. might think it's dog shit now. I don't know, but yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm well. I would be interested to watch it too. So I'll have to make a note of that to go check it out because I love Josh Brolin as well. I think he is another one of those actors that really sort of, not to I guess to go off too much on a tangent, but I feel like when he tries to like emulate somebody, he does a really good job of it. So I'd be fascinated to watch that. Yeah, and I think where I was going with that to to, to maybe uh, <laughs> contextualize it is like I think this material like is really hard probably for some people to grapple with depending on like your age and how this mm-hmm. era of history like affected you. And maybe this is just how Adam McKay like had to to deal with it and grapple with it. I don't know specifically like what his like direct history or intervention is or how his life would have been affected but um i know it it's got to be tough to probably like look back and like deal with all this and present it in a way that uh you know um as a filmmaker artist uh feels like you're doing justice to the the facts but also like wanting to have your say right like to comment on it so oh working through our feelings together yeah yeah i i feel that to a degree because there's also these moments i mean you have the stuff that is based in facts in terms of like the the shady intel and you know every every the the fuckery basically going on (laughs) with with the launch of the war um but you also have like these very intimate moments with the family and especially the scenes with Mary just broke my heart and felt very mm. like, um, I mean, a little too close to home for me, unfortunately, and then uh, my family, but um, very genuine. And like, there's definitely a lot of whiplash between those scenes and the very like comedic satire heavy scenes. And it felt like, I don't know, in some ways to, I think, counter the emotional gravity of the movie, but also just to, I guess, get away with having such like a radically left film, kind of had to do a lot of the tongue in cheek stuff. Hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise you just get really triggered by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is why you kind of bailed, right? Like on the first time. Um, yeah, it's I true. Correctly. I did. I got triggered. <laughs> um, you could have just jog something. I was surprised. Um, you saying like the scenes with Mary, like uh, how. I was I was expecting this to be a, a lot more of a hit piece, and don't get me wrong, like mm-hmm. it definitely goes for it, like in several like aspects but it seems to be a reasonably well measured in terms of like painting kim fairly to a certain extent right or like giving credit Mm -hmm. where credit's due in certain aspects of his life and accomplishments um so i was surprised to see that like some of the tenderness but like with like the family life in in particular was like oh um this is not something i expected right like i I really thought it was going to be more of like a one-dimensional like hit piece like on like you know the things that we know about Dick Cheney that are are bad and horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad they did it that way because, yeah, like the most powerful, brutal men to have ever had power in this world still went home and kissed their wives at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> they're they're fully balanced humans, no matter how many war crimes they commit. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um. Well- 
I, I just the thing with Mary is if anything it made him seem worse to me because uh personally knowing people who like are homophobic they will rationalize it generally through saying these are just like my religious beliefs and with Cheney it's obvious that he doesn't have any convictions or beliefs that you know make him homophobic it's just oh it's politically expedient now to turn on Mary so they do that as a family yeah that they, that that bit's like it's terrible like absolutely awful that's what makes I think the earlier scenes like really well I should say like the early scenes make that more impactful like when it happens you know to, to kind of show like oh like there's a line that I won't cross it's like well <laughs> Until, right? Until all the little teacups fall over. As we see in that one little image of him trying to stack up everything together to make it work yeah. the way he wants. Yeah. I guess taking a step back for a moment, thinking about some of the goofier inserts to lighten the mood. Um, did you, did either of you have like a favorite one of those? Anything in particular that stood out to you that you liked maybe more than the others? And Chris, I'm gonna go ahead and toss that one back over to you. I, I don't know that I would like call the sequence goofy, but I think it's a beautiful way to set up like what happens the rest of the movie. But when they're in the congressional chamber and young Rumsfeld like gives his speech, and then like the other, I don't know, they're supposed to be interns, like I think, right? And he's like, mm-hmm. Who do you want, Democrat or Republican? And like he clearly doesn't have any political allegiance or like beliefs as May's already kind of like alluded to. And well, what is he like? And that's, he just kind of, he's drawn more to like the magnetism of the person and his approach to politics versus like what he actually stands for. And uh, I thought that was just really beautifully done. And uh, I I like the through line that kind of goes from the movie from that. Mm -hmm. So not really particularly i mean it is kind of played for laughs a little bit with like the speech that rumsfeld gives and like um you know kind of like oh sorry i forget we have ladies in the chamber now like you know <laughs> like after making the crass comment um but that's a standout one for me for sure yeah mine is also like not like ah, it's, it's definitely comedic it's not the most like fourth wall breaking breaking one but um it to me it's the funniest part is when Cheney goes to like have a picnic or whatever with George W. Bush and is negotiating about you know taking up the vice presidency and every line is contrasted with like light with um fly fishing or whatever and <laughs> um it's just it's not even that impressive how easily Bush falls for everything <laughs> He's just kind of like, yeah, 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 this sounds good. <laughs> Can I go back to eating my sandwich? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, foreign policy, uh, the military, sure. Yeah, perfect. Especially because that job is, like, as he says, it's always been sort of symbolic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's all the most important stuff. And <laughs> stuff that, like, Bush, he's like, I don't want to do this. Like, sure, I'll shut up on that. I'll want you. That, that stuff sounds hard, you know? <laughs> I think for me, having actually watched the movie the entire way through, noticing the little, like, I guess, in credits 
uh, joke that they threw in there with the focus group where suddenly it's not just a focus group that was being, I guess, pulled way back during 9-11 and all of that. It was the it's, it's like they're in the current age now and they're not even in the film anymore. They're talking about the film and how much it's like oh, this is just some liberal garbage or <laughs> no, you voted, you know, like talking about Trump's election and all that. And and suddenly it becomes like a, a fist fight between a, a liberal and a conservative in the in the group. And then like some random lady leans over to a friend or leans over to like someone next to her and talks about like the, the next Fast and Furious movies coming out that looks lit, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, this seems so... I don't know. For me, maybe that's what I needed after having like dealt with all of that. Um, I found that entertaining, but I mean, weird in some ways, but also entertaining. And I guess part of that strange sort of self-referential, those little moments that the film tries to have about itself. I don't know how I would have done it differently than that, but I thought it was it was interesting. And I guess in some ways trying to tie together how what some folks may have felt like leading up to where we're at now and why politics remain so polarizing and also mm -hmm. triggering. <laughs> but It's yeah, a good it's... bookend to the opening too, right? Because mm -hmm. it film, um, I, I don't think this is like the first first scene, but a part of that like opening before the opening credits is talking about like, oh, you know, with, a world where everyone is getting busier and busier and wages are getting lower and hours longer like your average person just wants to go party basically after work and it's kind of almost like a, the film apologizing for how condescending it's about to be <laughs> 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 we know you'd rather have some fluff piece that you're watching but we're gonna make it real for you for the next yeah yeah that's true um it's a little like i to me um like that that ending bit is it's like the opposite but like on a similar vein of like uh black Klansman. i don't know if you ever saw that um that mm. has one of the best one two punches so it's the biggest laugh of the movie by far i saw it like in a theater opening weekend uh and then it cuts to like all the footage of like the charlotteville like Mm -hmm. like riots and sort of violence and the theater went from like i mean just like people pissing themselves laughing to like dead quiet and it was such a brilliant little touch where it's like hey like yes this movie's been really funny but guess how much has actually changed and like you know um and then just in case like you're too daft to realize that like all, all the sort of messages of the film and the content of the film are, are like relevant like here's something you know that and i think at that point um it, we were less than a year removed from that like i remember right mm. like um so it was very recent but um but that's a really great like one-two punch in it like to, i feel like it's a, a little less effective like in this of like what they're trying to, to go out because um it's those tonal shifts have been happening all over the place whereas in black clansmen they wait till the very end to do that and you're like holy shit like all right um but still effective i think uh similar with like when they they're coming up with like the the big brother like double speak shit like oh uh, yeah climate change like that that's more like mid movie i think like when they're doing the sort of mm -hmm. how, how to make the pill easier to swallow death tax right <laughs> yeah oh man yeah yeah 
or even something to the effect of like the U.S. does not engage in torture, and therefore what we're doing is not torture. <laughs> like yeah. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess it was it was a little triggering for me too, just because like I was fairly young in like the early two thousands, but I do have like faint memories of news coverage and like this kind of rhetoric being the main rhetoric and like hearing my parents repeat stuff that they'd heard from newscasters and yeah. uh, it's just bizarre to think about now it feels like it's more recent than it actually is like when i think back to like you know how how long ago to, like it is like it's i think farther away than what like the like 1980 like would have been for us like at the time this came out right like that's wild to think <laughs> like and like mm-hmm. 1980 felt far away in 2000 let me tell you that is interesting to think about too i think in some respects and this kind of ties back to the um to the end of the film and that little extra credit scene where it almost felt i don't know for all of that that's going on it felt like what we're dealing with now and that felt so close together not just because it was depicted that way in a self-referential scene but it just suddenly everything just sort of felt like it was time seemed a lot less long than it really has been and you're right because i mean thinking about back to where i was at 9 11 i mean i was in high school no not even high school was i i can't even remember that part you're just like you do a double take you're like what grade was i in yeah i was a sophomore in 2001 so yeah that's crazy yeah that footage was was, uh that's wild too like i feel like it's something that's not depicted a lot like in media unless it's a movie specifically about that but like having like lived through that part of things like doesn't make it like uh excusable like sort of what followed but it makes it more understandable for like what the public was willing to put up with and like go along Mm -hmm. with like in terms of politics and foreign policy and things and you know the patriot act because the amount of fear was i mean it was it was absolutely terrifying like not knowing like what was going to happen right like it seemed like a terrorist attack was going to happen pretty much anywhere at any time like um like everybody questioned everything and uh i mean that was kind of the the point i guess of the attacks right was to to kind of instill that sort of fear um in the heart of the american public it was very effective and so anytime i see one of those like scenes like it kind of takes me back to like watching that shit on like the the high school like television set and then just Mm -hmm. all i mean the two three years that followed that like how different everything felt but at the same time like how normal it sort of was and everyone just going like well i guess this is just like what the world is like now and then with enough time and distance being like "Mm." (laughs) i don't know that like a lot of things were were handled the right way you know and i guess kind of the point of the movie too right is that like uh, people can be primed like as like the public at large to, to put up with a lot of stuff that they wouldn't otherwise like given the right catalyst and that was a hell of a catalyst yeah yeah it's true seems like there was a lot of misinformation going around too and like it's it's different but i remember in like i want to say like the mid 2010s when like isis was rising and stuff and like I don't remember the names of them, but I think there was like 
uh, one or two small violent events that were like driven by Islamic extremists and how for years after that there was all this like fear about and like hate around Muslim people in the U.S. and looking back on that now even just like five years later it's like that was very disproportionate and (laughs) yeah especially given like you know not to go too far down the rabbit hole but like some of like the more like you know recent like domestic terrorist events have had like nothing to do (laughs) with anyone of the muslim faith right like Mm -hmm. it it seems to be angry young white men like you know overwhelmingly um i digress though which was true even then just (laughs) sure i mean in terms of like stuff in the public view you know what i mean like the stuff that gets talked about like there's been a shift in that that's more what i was yeah driving up but no you're right like you're absolutely right so at the end of the film when dick cheney gets his little fourth wall breaking action and he has his his speech to the audience that he does not apologize for what he's done what are your thoughts on that? What do you what do you think about Dick Cheney by the end of the film and his I guess his commentary that it's it's really us that elected him that you know if he wants to blame anybody <laughs> maybe we should look at ourselves kind of a thing that he doesn't apologize for what he's done that he did what he did because he wanted to make America safer. So this might be a controversial opinion, but I feel like it's the test at the end of the class Um, (laughs) because we've gone through this movie seeing how two-faced Cheney is and how he doesn't really stand for anything or believe in anything and how he's consistently used loopholes to get around like democratic ideals and get way more power than he's been elected to have, right? So I think that speech at the end like tells you exactly how he wants to be seen and you should be able to loudly shout bullshit by the end of it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a little groan worthy for me because i'm with me where i'm like is anyone gonna like be convinced by this i again i think it's more of a stylistic choice of like this is probably what he believes or certainly what he would say um if asked the question um on the one hand i mean he's right like the american public like elected him but on the other again nobody could have foreseen 9-11 and he certainly positioned himself to be able to like you know he's, he's a good chess player i'll give him that for like politics um but as far as like what his ultimate thesis is on you you know his good intentions and like what he did and why he did it like i'm with me 100 like yeah bullshit but again i don't don't know that the movie is very subtle about that um no <laughs> when it's yeah i mean that, that's true because it's like you know for the last however long or what hour and some change that we've been listening to him because be opportunistic uh take advantage when he had the chance at turning some disaster into his own personal gain or getting the impression that he's not really for anything except for what benefits him like doesn't matter what party it is i'm just going to go with that guy because i think that that's the way that i'm going to get into the system or um you know trying to take advantage of loopholes in the justice system in order to to get the power that i want so 
I, yeah. I mean, I think we were all on the same page where we want to look at him and say, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't buy what you're trying to sell. But it is, I don't know, it's interesting. I guess I was sort of surprised that they wanted to have him face the camera to do it. I guess in some respects, it's not really that too far-fetched. Maybe it would have been stranger had he tried to pull some more Shakespeare out of his butt and do it that way. Um, you don't, Or you maybe don't I would have... Quote Lady Macbeth before you like get ready to get intimate, man? Like... <laughs> I mean, you know, the requirement for in the Waterman household, you got to do a Shakespeare quote before you, you get busy. <laughs> what's uh, what's your favorite quote, Chris? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't, I can't be like, you know, uh, putting out my like bedroom talk, you know, on the podcast, dude. <laughs> that was bedroom talk, baby. Um, you know, you could interpret that scene though, like in all seriousness, is like, uh, it's kind of like um, this is gonna date me a little bit, like in Eight Mile, like when B Rabbit, like the Eminem character, knows like what the rap is gonna be to insult him. So like, cause he goes first in the rap battle at the end, he just says all the shit that his opponent is going to say, and like cuts it off at the pass. So in a sense, this movie does that, and then goes like, all right, like we've already laid it all out there. Say your piece, and like he says it, but it has no like. I don't know. It carries no weight because the movie is just spent an hour and 45 minutes, whatever, hour and a half, like uh, uh, dispelling that notion, right? And pushing back against it. So it kind of comes off as hollow. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I read that a little bit too. Is like, yeah, he's allowed to say his piece, but we know what it is he would say. Here's all the reasons ahead of him saying it, why it doesn't hold water. There's an eight mile reference to 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 uh, <laughs> tie it together. So I'm gonna date the shit out of myself because don't know that anybody like even talks about that movie anymore. But whatever. It's all about the art, baby. I mean, you got Shakespeare, you got Eight Mile. Hell, this movie even had a little bit of West Side Story that showed up for a hot minute. So yeah, it's like I you know. can't even plan this stuff. It's just it's all integrated somehow into our strange uh, podcast collective unconscious. So it's, it's the Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix is like it has you out there. Yeah. Hold up, uh, podcast collective unconscious sounds like a great band name. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, get that guitar going again, man. We'll get it. Hey, May's got the keyboard. Let's make it happen. I, I can't do vocals worth shit, but uh, I'll I got, find something I got around here. I got all the instruments, frankly. Oh, noise. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. I think the only other question that I had for you uh, before we turn it over to both of you for any other points about the film that you'd like to make sure that we cover is to get your, I guess, just your opinions about the narrator. Like in terms of, I mean, we we sort of get I guess his relevance to the story, but part of it just also felt kind of strange and distracting for me too. And maybe that's just the vibe that I had for most of this film. (laughs) So I'd like to get some more feedback from both of you about what you thought about the inclusion of the narrator, the way that his kind of story arc, I guess, progresses um, even beyond the grave and whether you thought it was effective or not to the overall, I guess, plot (laughs) so chris i'll turn it over to you first yeah it's probably one of those stylistic choices that's either going to really work for you or not i I really liked it again it created that distance a little bit and it was a a cool storytelling device not unlike um 
I'm trying to think of like a good example in like literature where you have like a character from Beyond the Grave like narrating it. But they did, I know they did it in like the the recent like Sopranos movie. I won't say which character, but <laughs> I've always kind of enjoyed that like weird like you got to suspend your disbelief or just kind of roll with it because um, it allows for some omniscience there. And I think the fact that it's like a heart donor and you see his kind of story progress alongside the presidents but from like the perspective of a, a regular person and like how like somebody may be affected like so you see him going off to war for example and things like that um it worked for me i, I liked it. it is it quirky yeah does it make sense like no is it heavy fisted <laughs> or heavy-handed like yeah absolutely but I, it worked for me maybe even heavy-hearted just a little bit oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it was very strange to me, but May, tell us what you think. Mixed feelings. On the one hand, I like the insert of, uh, I guess, the straight man, I guess, in all this. Um, and someone who's relatable and who went through the war the way it would have affected a lot of everyday Americans and um, ended up dying just for that to like somehow make Cheney live even longer <laughs> and on the flip side I don't love like using this person which I don't know how much of his life was accurate in the movie but like using this person as your mouthpiece for the whole film feels a bit weird if you're kind of like arguing that he was used the way a lot of everyday Americans are used well you're also kind of using him in a weird strange way so i don't know mixed feelings about that um but it's fine as device i don't love it i think that there were better alternatives but it's it's okay in some respects too and i should have looked to see if this was based on anybody or not since i know a lot of the film kind of takes bits and pieces from history and makes it its own uh, for the sake of the story but he, he's I, fictional from that's one of the he? few things that i did like because yeah. i was curious like it's it's completely like a made-up character i'm sure the the heart you know somebody donated their heart mm -hmm. but yeah i don't think it was like they didn't you know fortunately like weaponize like some poor <laughs> guy that was that's, like an organ well, that yeah. makes me feel better <laughs> yeah because yeah. I, I may actually I, I remember feeling similar to that like if this is based on a real dude like man like, I don't know how I would feel as the family having him use this as, as this mouthpiece to try and, you know, yeah. I, regardless of your political affiliations, have any sort of political like motivation as a character in a movie. Like, I know there's enough with um, like with the Cheney family, you know, that you will have opinions about based on how it's portrayed in this film, whether or not that's true or not, or whether it's emphasized or toned down you know however it compares to reality but yeah to have just some random guy that like served his country and then <laughs> oh, we're going to use you as a plot device <laughs> thanks so i'm glad to hear that that's that that's not true that that was fictionalized all right guys well before we wrap up and transition over are there any other items about vice that stood out to you that made you laugh made you want to punch the screen or just generally cool in terms of aesthetic that you want to make sure we talk about. No, not not really. I just I, I would urge somebody like I feel like 
like it or are not. It's a, a trip worth like taking like once. I don't know how much rewatchability this movie has as much as I enjoyed it. Um, but I think if you're into like style um, and I, th- I think this is just a curious like piece to study, even if it doesn't always work for you because it's committed to what it is. So that's, that's really all I have to add is I'd say, check it out if you're on the fence. Yeah. I'll just say that as much as I didn't like the approach this movie took quite a few times, the one kind of like lens or angle that I'd like that is, is kept throughout is just the idea that most of these extremely powerful politicians um are self-interested and financially motivated and their core beliefs are generally not what you think they are and i like that that was kind of a common thread for everyone in the film as nihilistic as that is (laughs) (laughs) i privately will never understand why people (laughs) defend politicians on either side of the aisle like they're like uh you know um i don't know like a like somebody in their family it's like dude like <laughs> come on how much do you actually know about this person yeah. i will say for me um i would recommend it for a couple of things i, I would say that if you have either seen other of mckay's films and you want to check it out um to compare it I would say go for it. I would also say that for me, it was Christian Bale and Sam Rockwell. I wanted, I just wanted to see how well they, because when I remember, I remember like when I saw the trailer for this film and I thought, holy smokes, this looks like it's going to be amazing just to watch it for them. And truthfully, that's what I would recommend it for. I would watch it to see the people that are portraying these, uh, you know, folks from history, at least our history in the last, what, 20 to 30 years. And that to me was probably the most fascinating part of it. So definitely worth it in that respect uh, for my recommendation. Well, on that note, would you both like to play a little bit of trivia regarding? Yes, please. (laughs) I would love to. I have a few options in case the questions are too easy or you may have looked up answers beforehand or... As we all know, when we try to make things work out numbers-wise, there's always a curveball that shows up. So I've got a couple of things here that might help. But trying to keep it pretty easy, straightforward, uh, mostly true or false. Actually, no, all true or false questions. So nice. I do like 50-50 odds. (laughs) It's true. So first question. True or false? Christian Bale credited Satan as inspiration for his portrayal of Dick Cheney. True. I'm going to say true, too, just because it's hilarious. <laughs> Noise, and you're both correct. Yay. Thanks, <laughs> Christian Bale. <laughs> that sounds wow. like some Hollywood shit right there. <laughs> like, just to stir the pot a little bit more. He also said that he would he would actually enjoy the opportunity to meet Dick Cheney in real life, if only to be insulted by him and then kicked out of his house. So, if that tells you anything. Next question. True or false, Christian Bale gained 50 pounds for the role. See, I feel like this could be false, but it's like he gained 65 or 70 pounds. <laughs> I feel so, like it's more than 50, so I'm going to say yeah. false. Same. False. You are both correct. It is false, but 
it was only 40 pounds. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, much slimmer. <laughs> well, we don't know what he was coming from either. If he was coming from sure. like Batman movies, he had to like lose muscle, gain fat, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think it was for Batman. I think he went from, yeah, from being like uh, more jacked to being very plump. So. Yeah, someone doing body recomp in the opposite direction, you actually don't change <laughs> weight that much. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, next true or false. The original title for the film was called Angler. Just because of all the fishing shit, I'm going to say true. An awful lot of it in the movie, but... To be different from Chris, I'm going to say false. Noise and May takes the lead. It was, in fact, false. Now, Angler was... If I Google my Googling stuff correctly, uh, his code name with the Secret Service. Ah. But Backseat was the original name that McKay had for the film prior to its release. Uh, like Backseat Driver? I mean, I'm going to go with that because that's the only connection <laughs> I made. <laughs> we took America in the backseat and plowed her good. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean... <laughs> Mm. It sounds like something nothing. he would say. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of driving, true or false? Dick Cheney really drove a VW Bug back in the day. True. Scenes were in the 50s. That would have been post-World War II. I feel like anti-German sentiments would, would have been high, so I'm going to say false. But then again, hey. he's also a paradoxical character. But You're going with false, sir. That is your false. final answer. Yep. Ah, it is actually true. Damn it. So may you have four two Chris's two right now. <laughs> but there's still a chance. I say there's still a chance. Probably statistically not, as we were on the last question. But <laughs> way to give me false hope. You son of a bitch. Ah, it's like that turn at the end of the film when I turn to the camera and I say, Nope. I apologize for nothing. But you know what? Anything could happen. Maybe I'll just if depending on how this question goes, maybe I've got an extra one up my sleeve we could throw out there too, just to try and, you know, make just the so odds a little bit more even. <laughs> It'll end yeah, just time. to screw the system a little bit, man. There's no <laughs> law that says we have to have five questions. That's Will what I looked up. Is uh, wielding total executive power right now? It's true. Uh, <laughs> of the podcast, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. True or false? Vice won an Oscar for best original screenplay back in 2019. I'm going to say true. going to say false. It is false. And actually, I say 2019, but I feel like this film came out in what, 2018? So maybe the year is a lie, inadvertently, but that's not the reason that it's false. It's uh, It would have been um, for hair and makeup, which is mm. very, in my opinion, very worth it. So. Yeah. Um, the, I think you might have been right on the year, just because typically, like, Oscar bait movies will release like the fall before oh, the Oscars. I got you happen. before then. Yeah. So I have no sense of time. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. I just wanted to make you feel better. Like your research is probably correct. 
Yeah. Oh, well, well that's the me. case, sir. In exchange for that, would you like an extra question? <laughs> I mean, I'm only going to tie if I get it. And then, <laughs> then where are we going to be? Where are we going to be? Yeah. No, that's okay. Lottery will get you everywhere, apparently. Unlike, <laughs> unlike Gore, uh, I'm going to concede the, the victory <laughs> and not pull it out. That's a little reference to the movie. Hey, uh, but you can reverse so. your concession if you still think you're in the game. It's only a matter of 500 votes. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, now well no, you take it yeah yay and chris also good run for the money yes and good game. this would have been a question had we needed it but i don't know if you both know this or not but apparently there is a deleted scene that was a musical number in this film uh. that i had no idea about until like five minutes before the podcast so thank you for the slight delay and <laughs> starting our recording but uh I'll have <laughs> hey to share i'm with always you happy to be late man it's okay if if it's one of us right so it's all good <laughs> um but i will gladly share this with you too because personally i would have watched more of this film had it been a musical and i'm not really big into musicals so i'm just gonna drop that out there if they ever redo it you really want to if you want to reboot vice just make it a musical and i feel like we could all take a chill pill and not be triggered by the i feel like if you make something a musical it sort of i don't know makes it more palatable in a lot of ways Softens you can have some pretty dark stuff in a musical right like we've seen so yeah 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 um i do audio easter eggs now um for those of you that listen to the end or watch to the end so maybe i'll stick that on yes. the, the end at least a little little clip from it so yes please Thanks for giving me a suggestion for this week because I was like, ah, what do I want to do for for Vice? But there we go. Use the same ending they had for Vice and throw up some West Side Story if nothing else, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to play so, it on Kazoo's to get around copyright. Yeah, I, I'm down. <laughs> All right, guys. Or uh, what, accordion? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I also yes. have a melodica that I'm learning to play, so... I'm telling oh, you, yeah. man, look, podcast collective unconscious is going to happen, whether you want it to or not. <laughs> I think that's would have to anyway. Anyway. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap that up there and turn it back over to you, Chris, so that we could figure out what excitement is in store for us the next go around. But thank you both for indulging me in this choice to watch Vice. Thank you. Thanks for the suggestion, man. Um Again, I, I've said it once many times. I'll say it again. My favorite part of this podcast is um, not just nominating, but being able to like actually experience um, films from other people and like having that excitement for uh, the random saves me from doom scrolling like once a week at least. So I appreciate <laughs> it. I prefer watching like your guys's movies because I don't have to do homework. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel that as somebody who had the most recent three in a row run, I was like, I'm glad we instituted this rule because oh my god. Um it gets uh it's like oof, it's a lot of pressure. Um all right, so let's see what we got coming up next on our episode for next week. It's going to be me just because I said that about the homework. Probably. <laughs> it is an awkward. So this is a new category. Sweet. The prompt is 
select a film that was eerily spot on with current events or had a particular prescience uh, years ahead of time. So this is going to also be a pick. The film is Contagion. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't even know what this film is about exactly, but I can guess probably why you picked it. But um, in case I'm wrong, Will, tell us why you nominated Contagion for Awkward. Uh, because of the last three years. (laughs) (laughs) And because The Last of Us wasn't finished yet when I made my selection. So there's that. Also, um, you know what? Some runners up to Contagion for anybody who's interested. Outbreak. Um, and I feel like there's another one floating around out there that I'll have to think of later. But now, basically, it was like the most recent one that I remember everybody started talking about when COVID hit and they were like, Contagion. And I thought, you know what? I think that I am vaguely familiar with this film, but I haven't seen it the whole way through. I may not have actually seen any of it, but I was just like, it's totally appropriate. And I'm just going to throw it out there and it's going to happen. So it's going to be an exciting trip for all of us. This is uh, 2011. Um, I thought it was like a little more recent. So that's cool. Um, Mm -hmm. Steven Soderbergh. That's cool. I like his stuff. And uh, we've got Marion Cotillard, Matt Damon, Lawrence Fishburne, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Kate Winslet. Banger yeah, they cast. Got a great cast. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm I'm excited about this now. I know virtually nothing about it. Um, again, given the title, I I could uh, connect some dots with some really really strong powers of deduction there. I can uh, I can attest this is a great pick because in 2020, I remember like almost starting this movie and then pat and i looked at each other and we're like nah it's too soon and so we and watched it <laughs> noise well i'm looking forward to it and uh there you audience members have it that's our our pick for next week's episode you can find us on at screen quest pod on twitter we do have the link live for submitting films. Uh, you can find that in both our YouTube and podcast audio subscriptions. Um, I th- believe we have our first nominee already. So get those in. We will uh, probably, once we've have, you know, several in there, um, make a uh, special card for the films that are, are presented. Remember to check whether or not you'd like to be a host. You don't have to if you don't want to. But eventually, we'll start throwing those into the uh, the mix, and then you know they will be eligible for reviewing. But until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Going down. So is he.